A 90-year-old man went to the doctor for a checkup. And a few days later, the doctor saw the man walking down the street with a beautiful young woman on his arm. The doctor said, well, Mr. Franklin, you seem to be doing well. He said, yep, doc, I did what you said. Get a hot mama and be cheerful. The doctor looked frustrated. He said, I did not say that. I said, you have a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> what we have here is a failure to communicate. Every now and then, it's a good, it's a good to be reminded of who we are and why we are here. So that's why today I'm starting a three-part series called Why Are We Here? Why do we exist as a church? What is our purpose? Why do I bother getting out of bed on Sunday mornings? Hello. Amen. If I had my way, I'd probably go to the church of St. Mattress some mornings. Why do we do this every week? That's a good question. Why are we here? Why do we do what we do? This is important because we cannot lose sight of our purpose. A church that loses sight of its purpose ceases to be a church, if you ask me. When a church loses its sense of purpose, it becomes nothing more than a social club. But that's not why we're here, is it? God's purpose for the church is no secret. It's not a mystery. It's not difficult to understand. Jesus made it very clear that the purpose of every church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That, my friends, is the purpose of the church. A church that doesn't preach the gospel and make disciples ain't no church. Come on, tell somebody, that ain't a church. Amen. One thing I love about the body of Christ, though, is that every local church is a unique expression of that divine calling. Every congregation is different, and that's a good thing. Some are traditional in their approach. Some are non-conventional, but it takes all of us working together to accomplish the mission. Can I get an Amen. Every church is unique, and this is how we live out our purpose at Generation Church, okay? This statement explains our expression of the Great Commission, growing the family of God from one generation to the next, okay? And there's some key phrases here that we'll talk about in the next three weeks. Growing the family of God from one generation to the Can you all say that with me? Come on. Growing the family of God from one generation to the next. Y'all so good. That was beautiful. So let me say this. Today we're going to talk about growing. Next Sunday we're going to talk about what it means to be a church family. And week three we're going to talk about how to reach the next generation. But the first part is growing. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Somebody say growing. growing. Okay. I'm going to talk about growth on three levels. This happens on three levels. Number one, personal growth. We are here so you can grow personally, okay? We exist as a church so you can grow spiritually. Come on, tell somebody, it's time to grow up. Grow up. Amen. My preaching and my teaching is not for your entertainment. I teach what I teach for your spiritual formation. We talked about this last week, but God has given every one of us a ministry gift, right? 1 Peter 4.10, as each 
one has received a gift, everybody, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what my gift is not? Counseling. Okay, I'm, I'm Dr. Malarkey when it comes to counseling. Okay, you sit down and you want a counseling session with me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to pray for you. Don't expect anything above that because that's not my gifting. My wife, that's her gifting, but it ain't my gifting. My gifting is teaching the Word of God. My main way that I minister to you and invest in your life is for you to show up on Sunday and let me help walk you through the Word. Amen? So our church vision is personal growth. My purpose is to help you grow. But here's the catch. How much you grow is up to you because you can starve to death in a grocery store. I can teach you the whole Bible, but it won't profit you one bit if you don't apply it to your life. Oh, you can shout on Sunday, but how are you living on Monday? Look at what Jesus said when he gave us the purpose of the church, Matthew 28. He came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Hallelujah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word disciple in Greek is the word metatea, and it means student of Jesus. So let's fill in the blanks with that definition. Therefore, go and make students of Jesus of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. How you know Jesus didn't make suggestions. He gave commandments. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a monarchy. Too many people treat Jesus like a baby in a manger. Listen, Jesus didn't come to be a cute little baby. He came to be your Lord, your Savior, the master of your life. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is Lord. We won't get to heaven playing church. There are too many fake it till you make it Christians, feel good believers, fair weather followers. Listen, there, there is no poser section in heaven. There is no place up there for the wannabes. It's all or nothing with Jesus, and he's looking for a church that's all or nothing. That's why we exist, and we come here every week so we can all grow in our relationship with God. Come on, somebody. You're thinking, I don't think I can do that. That's too hard. I'm glad you're realizing that. It's not too hard. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's not our power. It's his power working inside of us. Listen, you can't do it on your own, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Christianity is not a self-help program. It doesn't make bad people good. It makes dead people live. Without Jesus Christ, your good works being nothing in the kingdom of God. If you're going to grow spiritually, you got to come to Jesus totally empty, saying, Lord, I can't even lift one righteous finger in your kingdom, God, but save me, use me, be the Lord of my life, be the power and the strength that I need to do this thing. God is looking for people who will say, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's how you grow spiritually. All of us have been lukewarm at one time or another. Did y'all hear about the guy who died in the church service? The paramedics carried out five of the wrong people before they found the one who died. Church is dead and dried up. Listen, all of us have gone through some dry seasons in our walk with God. Maybe you're not where you used to be. Maybe you've fallen away from the Lord. Listen, our God is a God of restoration. 
Maybe you're a backslider. Here's the good news. You can slide back to God today. You can get back on fire for Jesus. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. Put your life in God's hands and he will set you ablaze. Hallelujah. You don't grow up spiritually by doing good deeds. You grow up through daily surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. Why do I preach the word? Because I want you to make it to heaven. I don't want you to bust hell wide open and blame me. My purpose is not to tell you what you want to hear. I want to tell you what you need to hear. I want to be in heaven when they're cheering you on saying that you made it. I told you you could do it. I told you you had to forgive. I told you you had to love people. I told you you had to walk away from worldliness. Jesus is not coming back for a worldly church. He's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. The Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. And it's time for the church to be the church. It starts by getting back to the truth of God's word. Too many weak, cowardly people who are afraid to preach the truth. They're so scared they're going to hurt somebody's feelings that they don't stand for anything. Amen. Pastor, you hurt my feelings today. <laughs> I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I was trying to kill you. <laughs> Christianity says die to yourself so Jesus can live in you. When I'm sick and I go to the doctor, I don't want him to pat me on the back and tell me how special I am. I want him to poke in pride and tell me what's wrong with me. Hello. Just come to church and tell me how beautiful I am, Pastor. Tell me how awesome I am. Tell him I'm an overcomer. Never mind you're living a lifestyle of sin. Never mind that you're sleeping with the devil and asking God to pay the rent. Never mind that the enemy's wreaking havoc on your life. Listen, a good doctor's going to push you and prod you and investigate. Ouch, oh, there's a problem. Let's work on that a little while. When you go into surgery, doctors don't throw a party and give you a lollipop. They knock you out, cut you open, and operate on you. And that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And when we preach the Word of God, when we open up our hearts to the truth of the Word of God, we allow the Spirit of God to operate and to expose the areas in our, in our life that are not pleasing to Him so He can fix us and make us and shape us into who He wants us to be. Amen? But I thought God loves me just the way I am. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. The Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. How do you live a life of holiness? By daily surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. My number one desire for you is to see you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you'll follow Jesus the way he said follow him. How did Jesus tell us to follow him? Luke 9, 23, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. Somebody say daily. Not on Sunday. Not a couple Sundays a month. Not once a quarter. Daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Come on, somebody say no. no. Come on, no. Say it real loud. One, two, three. No. That's what you need to say to yourself in the mirror every day when you wake up. You need to walk in the bathroom, point your finger at yourself and say no. No flesh. You're not going to mess up God's plan for my life. I'm not going to let your lust, your pride, your attitude, your anger mess up what God has for me today. 
That's called denying your flesh. I dare you to do that tomorrow morning. It might change your Monday. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Oh, what would your friends say if they testified? What would your coworkers say? What would your social media accounts say? What would your bank account say? Uh-oh. Are you in the process of growing in your walk with God? Because this is a lifelong process. I'll never forget in high school, I was always asking my friends, when do we graduate? When is this ever going to be over. I'll never forget my last semester of high school. Man, I was ready to get out of there. Anybody else ever feel that way about school? We go to public school. We look forward to 12th grade because then it's all over. And if you go into college, you just can't wait till you satisfy your degree requirements and you get that diploma because then it's done. When you're a student in the educational system, there's an end point called graduation, but that's not how being a disciple works. This is a daily, lifelong process. Too many Christians think they've graduated. They reach a certain level of spiritual maturity, and they park out there, and they think they're okay. But listen, this is a lifelong process, okay? There is a graduation. It's called you're dead. It's called heaven. But as long as you're here on earth and as long as there's breath in your lungs, God is not done working on you. Stormy O. Martian said it like this. You are either becoming more like Christ every day or becoming less like him. There is no neutral position in the Lord. Come on, tell somebody it's a daily walk. Jesus said, look at the disciples and say, meet me on Sundays and Wednesdays. He said, follow me. Amen. God wants full custody, not just weekend visits. Let me ask you, who are you listening to all week? Are you listening to Creflo Dollar or his half-brother, 50 Cent? <laughs> What's your daily walk like? <laughs> Some of y'all like that, huh? Why are we here? To grow the family of God from one generation to the next. That includes your personal growth. Number one, personal growth. Number two, relational growth. Because we can't do this Christian thing by ourselves. Our purpose as a church is to help you build godly relationships. I truly believe that being involved in Generation Church should make you a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, a better neighbor, a better friend. This is a place to grow relationally in the church and outside of the church. When I look at Jesus on the cross, I see three types of relationships there at the crucifixion. Do you have growing relationships in all three cross areas of your life? Above him, he had God the Father. Do you have accountability in your life? Are you spending time with people who are stronger than you spiritually? Because if you're the smartest one out of all your friends, you might need to find some new friends. <laughs> are you spending time with people who are stronger than you spiritually? Do you have somebody you can call on when you're struggling? Do you have people who are speaking into your life? 
Then beside him he had the two thieves, and he won one of them over. Are you, are you reaching out to those around you who need Jesus? As one pastor put it, we all need filthy friends. We all need to love and befriend people who need Jesus. And then at the foot of the cross, there were his fellow believers. He looked at them and said, John, here's your mother, Mary, here's your son. Are you helping people grow in their walk with God? Help those who are going through what you've already gone through. Hello. When you belong to a church, you belong to a family. And I'm going to talk about that all next Sunday. So we'll, we'll move on to my last point. Number one, personal growth. Number two, relational growth. Number three, numerical growth. This applies to us as a church. I believe with all my heart that it is God's will for every church to be filled and overflowing with people. Amen. Why do I believe that? Because I believe that Jesus died to take away the sins of the world. And because I believe that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And until every person in our community is saved, no church is big enough. I believe God is calling us to be uncomfortable for his kingdom's sake. A lot of people say they want the church to grow, but a lot of people don't realize what that's actually like. Think about what Jesus said in Luke 14, 28, 4. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Let's talk about the cost of growth this morning because God has been challenging us over the past, well, I would say from the end of last year till now, God has been challenging us to get ready for growth. And it has been uncomfortable because we've been doing a lot of cost counting. But I want you to think about this. The more we grow, the harder you're going to have to work to learn people's names. <laughs> Come on. You know what? I, my favorite trick is the brother and sister thing. I grew up in a brother and sister church. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Praise the Lord. I didn't know nobody's name. You just say brother and sister. You're good to go. The more we grow, the more you got to work to learn people's names and really get to know them as individuals. Amen? Amen. The more we grow, the more you're going to walk in here, you ain't going to know nobody. you got to learn how to make some friends. Bible says if you want to have friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Amen? The more we grow, the harder it's going to be to get a good parking space. Amen? I believe in God. Some of y'all have to walk from Target on Sunday mornings. The more we grow, the longer the lines are going to be to get into the bathroom. Yes. The more we grow, the more we're going to have to make room in our ministry areas to train and raise up new people. And the more we grow, the more Saturday church workdays we're going to have to have to get that other building across the parking lot ready because we need more room. God is calling us. To reach more people. And we are heading in perilous times. And if you look back through history, some of the greatest moves of God happen in some of the most difficult seasons. Because when people go through difficult seasons, they become keenly aware how desperately they need God. And God is stirring and he's getting ready to do something mighty in this community. Amen. And listen, the more we grow, the more life groups matter. Because nobody wants to go to church where there's just a number in a crowd. That's not God's plan and God's purpose. God's called us to be a family. The more we grow, the more important it is for you to invest in other people and build godly relationships with other believers. Amen? 
Listen, the day is coming when every building on this property is going to be full of people that we're ministering to. Well, Pastor, are you all about the numbers? Yes, I am. <laughs> Why? Because numbers represent souls. Amen. Amen. Listen, we don't take attendance so we can brag on ourselves. David did that. He got in trouble, didn't he? King David counted the number of men in his army so he could brag about how many men he had to fight the battle with. But David was supposed to trust in God for the victory. Instead, he put his trust in numbers. We don't do that. We don't count the people the way David did. We count people the way Jesus did. If you read through the New Testament, you may be surprised to find that Jesus was a numbers man. He kept good track with numbers. How many disciples did he have? How many of them was the devil? Uh-huh. How many lepers did he heal at one time? How many came back? Uh, some of y'all need to do some more Bible study because I'm getting like about five or six of y'all are answering out loud. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's not. one. <laughs> we need to grow in our Bible knowledge. <laughs> Jesus was a numbers man. He kept track of these things. He sent out 70 plus two disciples to go in the towns and the cities. He fed 4,000 people. Then he fed 5,000 people. Then he divided them into groups of 50 and 100. Jesus wasn't rallying troops for the battle. He was ministering people, and he kept track of all of these things to bring glory to God. Here's another one. How many were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Y'all going to make me leave church and go straight to Krispy Kreme today. 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And then when Peter went out in the streets, 3,000 got saved in the number of days 5,000 more came to faith. Lord have mercy. Our life group's going to be basic Bible study. <laughs> Y'all just tired this morning. I know. Y'all know the word. You just sleepy this morning because daylight savings time is still kicking. Anybody else still worn out from daylight savings time? I hate daylight savings time. I'm going to start, start a campaign to end it after the fall. <laughs> Get my hour back and then we'll stop this stuff. Okay. Listen, Jesus kept numbers. And we, and we count numbers not to brag on ourselves. Listen, I don't care who I am. I just want you to know who Jesus is. In fact, I like to keep my head down. I, I'm, I like to be anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any attention on me, but I really do want you to know who Jesus is. In fact, if you don't know who Jesus is, let me tell you who he is. Jesus is the son of God. He came to earth and he did what you and I could never do. He lived a perfect life. Jesus was the only one who ever lived who did not deserve the penalty of death. And he willingly took upon himself the penalty of sin and death for you and for me. That whoever, whoever will call on his name will be saved. Jesus paid the price for you and me to be free. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're saved by faith. Listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. We've all missed the mark. We have all messed up. I'll prove it to you. How many of you have ever driven over the speed limit? Anybody? Look at that. We've got a bunch of rule breakers in the house today. How many of you have ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Uh-huh. Ushers, watch them. 
<laughs> it's offer time. You better keep an eye out. How many of you have ever told a lie? Oh, come on, if you raise your hand to any of that, come on, throw your hand up this morning. Look around you. Listen, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus paid the price to redeem every one of us, all of us. Even though we all sin, God in his infinite love sent Jesus to make it right. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except me. We live in a culture that says there are many paths to God in many ways, but the truth there, there ain't but one way, and that's Jesus. And here's the good news. Jesus will accept anybody who will humble themselves and come to him by faith. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he can give you life this morning, how do, you, how do you find faith in Jesus? It's the gift of God. Put your faith in him. Trust him. Surrender your life to him, and he'll change you forever. In fact, I just want to lead you in a prayer right now to help you start your journey of faith. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe in you. And with your help, I'll follow you the rest of my life. Amen and amen. amen. We stand.